Section 25 of Christian Science by Mark Twain. Read by John Greenman. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Book 2, Chapter 15. We may take that up now. It is not a single if, but a several-jointed one, not an oyster, but a vertebrate. 1. Did Mrs. Eddy borrow from Quimby the great idea, or only the little one, the old-timer, the ordinary mental healing, healing by mortal mind? 2. If she borrowed the great idea, did she carry it away in her head or in manuscript? 3. Did she hit upon the great idea herself? By the great idea I mean, of course, the conviction that the force involved was still existent, and could be applied now just as it was applied by Christ's disciples and their converts, and as successfully. 4. Did she philosophize it, systematize it, and write it down in a book? 5. Was it she and not another that built a new religion upon the book and organized it? I think number five can be answered with a yes, and dismissed from the controversy. And I think that the great idea, great as it was, would have enjoyed but a brief activity and would then have gone to sleep again for some more centuries, but for the perpetuating impulse it got from that organized and tremendous force. As for numbers one, two, and four, the hostiles contend that Mrs. Eddy got the great idea from Quimby and carried it off in manuscript. But their testimony, while of consequence, lacks the most important detail. So far as my information goes, the Quimby manuscript has not been produced. I think we cannot discuss number one and number two profitably. Let them go. For me, number three has a mild interest, and number four a violent one. As regards number three, Mrs. Eddy was brought up from the cradle, an old-time boiler-iron Westminster Catechism Christian, and knew her Bible as well as Captain Kidd knew his. When he sailed, when he sailed, and perhaps as sympathetically, the great idea had struck a million Bible-readers before her as being possible of resurrection and application. It must have struck as many as that, and been cogitated, indolently, doubtingly, then dropped and forgotten, and it could have struck her in due course. But how it could interest her, how it could appeal to her with her make, is a thing that is difficult to understand for the thing back of it is wholly gracious and beautiful. The power through loving mercifulness and compassion to heal fleshly ills and pains and griefs all with a word, with a touch of the hand. This power was given by the Savior to the disciples and to all the converted. All, every one. It was exercised for generations afterwards any christian who was in earnest and not a make-believe not a policy christian not a christian for revenue only had that healing power and could cure with it any disease or any hurt or damage possible to human flesh and bone these things are true or they are not if they were true seventeen and eighteen and nineteen centuries ago 
it would be difficult to satisfactorily explain why or how or by what argument that power should be non-existent in christians now note see appendix m t to wish to exercise it could occur to mrs eddy but would it grasping sordid penurious famishing for everything she sees money power glory vain untruthful jealous despotic arrogant insolent pitiless where thinkers and hypnotists are concerned illiterate shallow incapable of reasoning outside of commercial lines immeasurably selfish of course the great idea could strike her we have to grant that but why it should interest her is a question which can easily overstrain the imagination and bring on nervous prostration or something like that and is better left alone by the judicious it seems to me unless we call to our help the alleged other side of mrs eddy's make and character the side which her multitude of followers see and sincerely believe in fairness requires that their view be stated here it is the opposite of the one which i have drawn from mrs eddy's history and from her by-laws to her followers she is this patient gentle loving compassionate noble-hearted unselfish sinless widely cultured splendidly equipped mentally a profound thinker an able writer a divine personage an inspired messenger whose acts are dictated from the throne and whose every utterance is the voice of god she has delivered to them a religion which has revolutionized their lives banished the glooms that shadowed them and filled them and flooded them with sunshine and gladness and peace a religion which has no hell a religion whose heaven is not put off to another time with a break and a gulf between but begins here and now and melts into eternity as fancies of the waking day melt into the dreams of sleep they believe it is a christianity that is in the new testament that it has always been there that in the drift of ages it was lost through disuse and neglect and that this benefactor has found it and given it back to men turning the night of life into day its terrors into myths its lamentations into songs of emancipation and rejoicing note for a clear understanding of the two claims of christian science read the novel the life within published by lothrops boston m t there we have mrs eddy as her followers see her she has lifted them out of grief and care and doubt and fear and made their lives beautiful she found them wandering forlorn in a wintry wilderness and has led them to a tropic paradise like that of which the poet sings oh islands there are on the face of the deep where the leaves never fade and the skies never weep to ask them to examine with a microscope the character of such a benefactor to ask them to examine it at all to ask them to look at a blemish which another person believes he has found in it well in their place could you do it 
would you do it? Wouldn't you be ashamed to do it? If a tramp had rescued your child from fire and death and saved its mother's heart from breaking, could you see his rags? Could you smell his breath? Mrs. Eddy has done more than that for these people. They are prejudiced witnesses. To the credit of human nature it is not possible that they should be otherwise. They sincerely believe that Mrs. Eddy's character is pure and perfect and beautiful, and her history without stain or blot or blemish. But that does not settle it. They sincerely believe she did not borrow the great idea from Quinby, but hit upon it herself. It may be so, and it could be so. Let it go. There is no way to settle it. They believe she carried away no Quimby manuscripts. Let that go, too. There is no way to settle it. They believe that she, and not another, built the religion upon the book and organized it. I believe it, too. Finally, they believe that she philosophized Christian science, explained it, systematized it, and wrote it all out with her own hand in the book Science and Health. I am not able to believe that. Let us draw the line there. The known and undisputed products of her pen are a formidable witness against her. They do seem to me to prove quite clearly and conclusively that writing upon even simple subjects is a difficult labor for her, that she has never been able to write anything above third-rate English, that she is weak in the matter of grammar, that she has but a rude and dull sense of the values of words, that she so lacks in the matter of literary precision that she can seldom put a thought into words that express it lucidly to the reader and leave no doubts in his mind as to whether he has rightly understood or not, that she cannot even draft a preface that a person can fully comprehend, nor one which can by any art be translated into a fully understandable form, that she can seldom inject into a preface even single sentences whose meaning is uncompromisingly clear. Yet prefaces are her specialty, if she has one. Mrs. Eddy's known and undisputed writings are very limited in bulk. They exhibit no depth, no analytical quality, no thought above school composition size, and but juvenile ability in handling thoughts of even that modest magnitude. She has a fine commercial ability and could govern a vast railway system in great style. She could draft a set of rules that Satan himself would say could not be improved on for devilish effectiveness by his staff. But we know, by our excursions among the Mother Church's bylaws, that their English would discredit the deputy baggage-smasher. I am quite sure that Mrs. Eddy cannot write well upon any subject, even a commercial one. In the very first revision of Science and Health, 1883, Mrs. Eddy wrote a preface which is an unimpeachable witness that the rest of the book was written by somebody else. I have put it in the appendix, note one, see appendix A, M.T., along with a page or two taken from the body of the book, 
Note 2. Appendix B, M.T. And we'll ask the reader to compare the labored and lumbering and confused gropings of this preface with the easy and flowing and direct English of the other exhibit, and see if he can believe that the one hand and brain produced both. And let him take the preface apart, sentence by sentence, and searchingly examine each sentence word by word, and see if he can find half a dozen sentences whose meanings he is so sure of that he can rephrase them in words of his own and reproduce what he takes to be those meanings. Money can be lost on this game, I know, for I am the one that lost it. Now let the reader turn to the excerpt which I have made from the chapter on prayer. Note 3. See Appendix M.T. Last year's edition of Science and Health and compare that wise and sane and elevated and lucid and compact piece of work with the aforesaid preface, and with Mrs. Eddy's poetry concerning the gymnastic trees, and Minerva's not-yet-a-feet sandals, and the wreaths imported from Erudition's bower for the decoration of Plymouth Rock, and the plague-spot, and bacilli, and my other exhibits turn back to my chapters one and two, from the autobiography, and finally with the late communication concerning me, note one, see appendix, this reference is to the article Mrs. Eddy in Error in the North American Review for April 1903, M.T. And see if he thinks anybody's affirmation, or anybody's sworn testimony, or any other testimony of any imaginable kind, would ever be likely to convince him that Mrs. Eddy wrote that chapter on prayer. I do not wish to impose my opinion on any one who will not permit it, but such as it is, I offer it here for what it is worth. I cannot believe, and I do not believe, that Mrs. Eddy originated any of the thoughts and reasonings out of which the book Science and Health is constructed. And... I cannot believe, and do not believe, that she ever wrote any part of that book. I think that if anything in the world stands proven, and well and solidly proven, by unimpeachable testimony, the treacherous testimony of her own pen in her known and undisputed literary productions, it is that Mrs. Eddy is not capable of thinking upon high planes, nor of reasoning clearly, nor writing intelligently upon low ones inasmuch as, in my belief, the very first editions of the book Science and Health were far above the reach of Mrs. Eddy's mental and literary abilities, I think she has from the very beginning been claiming as her own another person's book, and wearing as her own property laurels rightfully belonging to that person, the real author of Science and Health. And I think the reason and the only reason, that he has not protested, is because his work was not exposed to print until after he was safely dead. That, with an eye to business, and by grace of her business talent, she has restored to the world neglected and abandoned features of the Christian religion which her thousands of followers find gracious and blessed and contenting, 
I recognize and confess. But I am convinced that every single detail of the work except just that one, the delivery of the product to the world, was conceived and performed by another. End of section 25, book 2, chapter 15.